Come on, let's welcome the chapel in Richmond. Come on, the chapel in Mosley Elementary, Chesterfield County Jail, Virginia Department of Corrections. Glad you're here. Tell the person next to you, I'm glad you came to church today. Come on, tell them that. You can be seated. Well, we're in a series called You Asked For It, and I will tell you a little bit about that in just a second. But uh, I want to look in the camera in the back of the room and say good morning to the chapel in Richmond, Virginia. We love what God's doing at the chapel in Scott's Edition, fastest growing neighborhood in Richmond. Love you guys. Incredible fall fest last week there and love what God's doing. And then Mosley Elementary School. I just got a picture of all that God's doing. Brand new families today. Right now at 930, there are people worshiping just a few miles down the road. And so... If you don't like sitting in the lobby, you should try Mosley. Come on, it's incredible. And uh, I just want to look at the camera, though, and say I'm so proud of people that drag trailers and pack uh, nurseries and make space to make that beautiful school a place of worship. Can we honor our teams that serve so many incredible ways? Thank you for that. Huge thank you to you for your flexibility in Midlothian as we got one entrance and another one there. And we're making it happen as this construction process is underway. How exciting to be a part of a church where God is at work. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're, we're honored about what God's doing. And we got some really special things planned uh, this Thursday and Friday at Women's Night. And we, we added two nights so there'd be plenty of seating, uh, identical services, both Thursday night and Friday night. So you could fit the one that best works with your calendar and invite people to uh, to be a part of it. Well, we um, every Easter we have a tradition as a church that we take a survey of what what do you want to hear preached on, and uh, we write down and compile hundreds of answers of uh, Bible verses that you want to have taught or subject matters that you want to have taught. It's my favorite series of the year because if it's no good, it's your fault because you asked for it and. Uh, so uh, we've been dealing with uh, how do you hear the voice of God, and, and he's heard that a couple weeks ago. And today, one of the most often questions, it had to do with something like, why does God let bad things happen to good people? Or how do I handle trials? Or how do I, how do I handle hard times? How do I navigate life when life is difficult and life is challenging? And I, I heard one pastor say, you're either in the middle of a, of a trial, you're coming out of a trial, or you're heading into a trial. Somebody said, Pastor, be more positive. Okay, I'm positive. You're either in the middle of a trial, coming out, or headed into one. How many know in this world you will have tribulation? Come on. How many know the, 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 the hot light is not always on in Krispy Kreme? Come on. And, and, and life is full of challenges and difficulties and obstacles. In fact, my eighth grade daughter was asking me, why do I have to take math? It's the one class I'm not good at. And I said, because we've designed school education to just show you that life is not always easy, you know? And she's like, but I'm never going to be good at it. And I said, I believe you, but part of life is handling hard times. And, uh, I'll never forget. I was 26 years old. And when I became a pastor for the first time and, and um, I was really excited. I got to write an article in the newspaper called, it was a, a column called Ask the Pastor. And the question was asked, written in by a reader, that was what happens to children when they die? And, and I got to write what my belief is from Second Samuel chapter 12 when David's son died. He said, I cannot bring him back to me, but one day I will go to him. 
And so you just need to know, I believe that when children pass away, they're immediately um, in the presence of God. And so I wrote that article and, and wrote the hope that parents have. And about a week later, a couple met with me in my office. They didn't go to the church. Uh, uh, Scott and Monica were their names. And they met to share their story of losing their, their little girl and shared the story of what it was like. She was born with a um, hypoplastic left heart, which meant only two of the four chambers were fully developed in the heart, very rare condition. And she was um, came to full birth, but didn't, didn't survive very long after that. And, and they, it was incredible. They became part of our church. They became friends with Katie and I. We were so excited that God used that little article to reach them. And then I couldn't believe the news that they were pregnant again. We were so excited for them. I mean, they had lost their first child. I mean, just the chance to, to have a child and to celebrate with them. And I'll never forget getting a call on my cell phone. At she was 20 weeks pregnant, went in to see the, the full ultrasound and needed to meet immediately. And shockingly, the doctor said very rare would a family have two kids with the same very rare condition, but the little boy now only had two of the four um, chambers of the heart fully developed. And so he she would give uh, carry him to full term, but he would probably not survive the surgery coming out of um, coming out of birth. And and I'll never forget, we, we went out of town to Strong, Research Hospital, Strong Memorial Hospital in Rochester, New York. And, and there the little boy was born. And a few hours later, I was requested by the doctors to go into the back room. I'll never forget the mom holding little, little baby because um, he looked perfect. He had just come through massive heart surgery, had not survived. He was not alive. But to my eyes, he looked literally perfect. I mean, wrapped up in a blanket. She held him with a little hat on his head. And she just, and I spent two hours with mom and dad and that little baby just sitting there with his body. And uh, we sang hymns. And I will never forget, I'll never forget his mom saying, the Lord gave and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I will never forget reading Psalm 23. I'll never forget singing hymns. I'll never forget the final goodbye. I'll never forget. It's probably the hardest uh, funeral a pastor can do. When, when the caskets are little, there's something different about it. I mean, all losses are hard, but there's something difficult about that. And I remember coming home and actually saying to a pastor friend of mine, a mentor friend of mine, I said, I don't know how long I can do this. If this is what pastoring is, it's being with people in their worst moments. I don't know how you don't like, how you don't feel, feel the weight of that and the overwhelming nature of that. And I remember this pastor telling me something that changed my life. He said, I want you to know one of the privileges of being a pastor is you're sometimes with people in the most wonderful moments of life. And one of the other privileges is you're sometimes with them in the most difficult moments of life. As hard as that is, you should treasure that. And I decided I would do that. And God used this couple's life and their story and their faith to impact and love and care for other people. But I did have to wrestle through in my life. What, why does God let this happen to the same family twice? What's going on in all this? Where is God when it hurts? Come on, how do we deal with challenges in life? And I, maybe you've been through a circumstance like that this weekend, or you've, or you've know someone that have. How do you handle hard times? How do we process trials? Uh, let, let me just say this. The very end of the message is going to remind us. How many know this world is not our own? How many know heaven is going to be a wonderful place? I mean, because of sin, sickness, disease, heartache, natural disasters, country music, all evil has entered our world. 
But how many know there will come a day that Jesus will return and the Bible says my kid's little storybook Bible and he will make all the sad things come untrue and he'll wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more pain or, or cancer or heartache or difficult. I mean, come on. Every, every hit will be a hole in one. Come on. And, and here's the reality of life, though. This life, this side of the life, we go through difficulties and we go through storms and we go through challenges. And, and I want to look at maybe one of the most familiar passages to help us today. You say, Pastor, how do I go through the storm? How do I navigate it? Well, Jesus, even when he was on this earth, his disciples went through storms. The Bible says one evening, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in a boat and starting out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon, come on, this wasn't just a storm. It was a what? Come on, a what? A fierce storm. Now you need to know this. These were fishermen. So they understood storms. Storms would not be unusual. When they say fierce storm, I want you to think fierce storm. High waves were breaking into the boat. In fact, so much it began to fill the boat with water. And Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. Can we just acknowledge this must have been frustrating to the disciples? I mean, don't be a church person. Oh, he's the Lord of all. He can do whatever he wants. Come on, where are the people that you can sleep through everything? Come on, just raise your hand. Anybody here? The rest of us, I'm a little bit like that. I'll, I keep Katie awake at night talking and then I just fall asleep. It drives her crazy. I can fall asleep so quick, I'll be fast forwarding a commercial and I'll fall asleep during the fast forward. It drives her crazy. And, uh, but Jesus, I mean, just imagine the boat, the storm's going on, the water's coming in the boat, and Jesus is sleeping. This surely would have been frustrating to the disciples. And not only is he sleeping at the back of the boat, he's got his head on a my pillow cushion. Come on. And the disciples woke him up shouting. You can feel their frustration. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Have you ever felt that way about God? God, don't you care I'm going through this? Don't you care this is happening? Don't you? Where, where are you in the middle of all this? And he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And he asked them, why are you afraid? You still have no faith. And now the disciples were absolutely terrified. Why? Because they understood a storm. They didn't understand a guy that could speak. And the storm goes calm. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. If you were to go to the Sea of Galilee today, you'd see this uh, sea surrounded by mountains where windy conditions could happen quickly. In fact, meteorologists tell us today it's not uncommon for the wind to approach 65 miles an hour on the surface of the sea. And this will actually create between 32 and 51 foot waves. Now that is big. Come on. And, and in the middle of a moment, these disciples are in the boat after a long day of Jesus teaching and healing. And they're just trying to head to the other side of the, of the lake. And all of a sudden, the Bible says a fierce storm. So much so that the, the waves are so big 
that they're coming over the edge of the, of the boat and the boat is taking on water and they're not sure how much longer they're going to have. And in these verses, I see three kinds of storms that they went through and three kinds of storms that we can go through as well. Here's the first one, man. All of us know this. Come on, a physical storm. Come on, a what? A physical storm. Have you, have you ever had a physical sickness? Come on, right? A challenge, a difficulty. The other day we're apple picking and my knee's still recovering. And my, my son said, you're still limping, dad. And I said, ah, be quiet. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, uh, I mean, the reality of life is all, whether it's physical or financial or, or something going on in your job. Probably all of us have known what it's like to have a storm uh, uh, come in our life unexpectedly. And whether it's a challenging class or a situation around you, before too long, you will have a storm that is around you that you didn't ask for, you didn't want, and you don't much like. And, and the reality of the disciples is they, they wake Jesus up and they're overwhelmed at the moment. This is how it can feel in a storm, shouting. And what they're shouting is, is there's a feeling that God doesn't care don't you care, teacher, that we're going to drown? And I think there are some lies we can believe in this physical storm. I just want to give you two of them. Two lies we can believe in a physical storm that if we don't understand these, then we can be overwhelmed in a moment with a situation. Here's the first one, and that's we're going down. <laughs> Jesus had said, let's cross to the other side of the lake. How many know no matter how big the storm was, if Jesus says you're going to the other side, you're going to the other side, right? But in the middle of a physical storm, it's real easy to just say we're going down. It's all bad. It's never going to change. It's, we're going, like, it's no good, right? It's all challenging. Like, I mean, how do you navigate this? And they, they, they jump to the worst case scenario. We're going down. And here's the second lie we can believe that God maybe doesn't care. In fact, maybe you're here today and you feel like, I, I don't even know if God cares about what I'm going through, Pastor. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it out of this, and I'm not sure he really cares. And that's an, a lie of the enemy to believe that God is distant and doesn't care. Just look at me this way. The Christian faith is the only faith who our founder knew physical and emotional and spiritual pain. Jesus did not stay at a distance in heaven. The Bible says he loved us so much and empathized with us so much that he put on human flesh and came and lived on this earth. He knew what it was like to, to, to work a job. He knew what it was like to be betrayed by his disciples. He knew what it was like to experience physical pain, the beating of the cross. He knew what it was like to experience anxiety on the, in the garden of uh, Gethsemane as he prays. The Bible says the brow of his head burst, the capillaries, he sweat drops of blood under anguish and anxiety so that the Bible says we do not have a high priest who can't sympathize with what we're going through Jesus knows what we're going through and he's experienced it and the temptation is to think he hasn't that he doesn't care I'm just here to remind us today God cares hey God cares God cares and when we feel like we're going down or God doesn't care, that's the same temptation. In fact, Jesus turns to them. Matthew's account is different than Mark's. In Matthew's account, he, during the storm, even before he calms it, he turns to the disciples and he asks them, why do you have so little faith? Here's what he's doing. He's reminding them that even in moments of, 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 um, 
of storms, they should have faith with him. Because here's the challenge. Just, just think of this with me this weekend. The challenge of a physical storm is that it goes beyond a physical storm and creeps into another part of our life. Come on, somebody. And now we have an emotional storm. How many know the storm out there can quickly become the storm in here? How many know the storm outside my boat? Come on, starts being a storm in my mind and in my heart and in my emotions. And I just wrote this down. There can be, there can be a storm around me, but we've got to be people who guard against the storm on the inside of us, okay? So I'm telling you today, just because there's a storm around you doesn't mean there can't be peace within you. In fact, sometimes God can give irrational peace to you in the middle of uncertainty, And what happens in this moment is the disciples slip from not only having a physical storm to all of a sudden getting really nervous on the inside of them and they get anxious and they get frustrated. Don't you care? They're shouting, they're hollering, we're going to die. I mean, they're all the way there. I'll never forget this past year. We had just done a bunch of Christmas Eve services and is it okay if I confess to you after the last Christmas Eve service, nothing sounds better than leaving church? Is that okay? We've lit all the candles. Nobody burnt anything down. We did a bunch of Christmas Eve services over different days. And I had nothing to do for six days. Nothing to do for six days. And I was getting ready. And, and I was changing my shoes in my office. And I was like, it's going to be so good. And my daughter calls me on the phone. And I thought she's probably baking me cookies or something at home. It's going to be so good. I wonder what thoughtful things she did for me. And I answer the phone and she just, I just hear these words. There's water everywhere. And I said, what do you mean water everywhere? She says, like a lot of water coming out of the lights in the ceiling. And I said, okay, so I'm jumping in the car. I'm telling a couple of the team members we're rushing home. What's happened in the house? There's water coming out of our kitchen ceiling. And as I'm driving, I'm explaining to her, I don't live far from uh, where we were that at the moment, maybe eight minute drive, and I'm moving pretty good. Come on, somebody, you know what I mean? Moving pretty good. I'm just saying, I got her on speakerphone. I said, all right, I'm going to tell you how to turn the water off in the garage. So you go out and there's a yellow handle on the big tank and you just pull it. Well, I don't see it. Well, baby, I really need you to see it. <laughs> right now, I need you to see it and... And, and just see it. Because right now, you know how that water's coming out? Yeah, this is the way to stop that. She's like, well, I think it's a little, I think I see it. And I, well, but I don't see it. Come on, somebody. And she, we get home, she hadn't done it. I'm, one day, it's going to come out of her inheritance when I go, you know. But we go, we finally turn off the water. The water comes through the cans and we're just standing in our kitchen all the way from upstairs have been a pipe. I don't know if you remember Christmas Eve last year, it was like five degrees outside. And the, there's a pipe in the attic, a hot water pipe that had burst, a little crack in it, pressurized water. It's amazing what it'll do in 20 minutes. Came down one, two, three floors. I'm standing there Christmas Eve, gotten done with all the preaching and I'm just standing there and I'm thinking to myself, this feels bad to me. This is a true story. Katie reminded me of it. We called I can't remember what mitigation service we called. They put us on hold. This is not a lie. The soundtrack was the music from Titanic. I swear, I was just going to lose it. I was like, who picked this music? You know the kind I'm talking about? You know what I mean. 
I'm like, oh, bro, you know, everybody's had a pipe burst tonight. And I stand there. Well, I had, had the, the only thing I had in my advantage is I had a little health scare three months before that I got it delivered me from. And I said, well, you know what? I'm not dying. So you know what? Somebody needs to make some Christmas cookies and we're going to tear the roof out and everything's going to be okay because I'm not letting the storm up here get to be the storm in here. Because if I really let it get in here, girl, I'm going to be mad that you couldn't find the handle to turn off the, that's going to ruin our Christmas. And I'm just telling you, you and I may not be able to change the storms out there, but we can make a decision to trust the Lord and not let the water that's out there get in here and get in here and say, I'm going to trust the Lord, right? And not only can, can that become a, a physical storm, become an emotional storm, but if we're not careful, even our faith can be rocked by it. They said, who is this man? They want to know that even the wind and waves obey him. If we're not careful, a physical storm can become an emotional storm. And oh, if we don't control it, it eventually becomes a spiritual storm. Who is God? A crisis of faith. What's he doing? Where is he at? How can I trust him? Am I sure he would? Why wouldn't he? Deuteronomy 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord. How many know there are some answers we will never get on this world, in this life? There is a mystery of pain and heartache and loss that we will not completely understand. But I'm telling you this, in the middle of, listen, it's one thing to have a theology that you love God when things are good. It's another thing to have a theology that you love God when things are not good. In fact, there's a little book in the Bible called Job. If you're new to church, it looks like Job. And Job is the story of a man who had a blessed life. And Satan said, of course, Job loves you, God. He has everything going his way. And God says, that's not true. And so suffering hits Job's life. He loses family, he loses wealth, loses even parts of his health. And in the middle of all that, the Bible says Job continued to trust God. He literally said, I know that my Redeemer lives. And in the end, I will stand with him against that day. And he keeps trusting God. And the end of Job is him being delivered and having twice what he had in the beginning. I'm just telling you, there are tests of our faith that try whether or not we just believe in this thing called church or we believe in the actual God we say we believe in, right? And Hebrews says we can have our faith. It can be like an anchor for the soul. Come on, firm and what? Secure. Come on, firm and what? Firm and secure. And the disciples had a physical storm and they had an emotional storm. It was creeping into a spiritual storm. Who even is Jesus? Maybe you're here today and you, in fact, I think it's one of the most common questions, the problem of evil. Why, why would God, how can God, and I just want to remind you, God is not the one doing bad. He's the one who sent his son to take upon the bad. And one day he's going to reverse the pain and redeem it and restore it and give us a place of forever beauty. So let me give you two takeaways if you're going through a bad day. Uh, I remember my parents used to read me the book, Alexander and the Horrible, Terrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. You remember that? It's a great book. He gets gum stuck in his hair, everything like that. But I want to give you two takeaways. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, wake up. Come on, tell them that. Come on in the lobby, tell them, wake up. Come on, tell them, wake up. Let me give you two takeaways if you're going through a, a hard time. First of all, this world doesn't always work, but the next one will. <laughs> hey, this world doesn't always work, but the next one will. How many know because of the entrance of sin, there is pain, and there is difficulty, and there is heartache, and there are challenges in life? 
But the promise of the Christian is sometimes we need to be reminded heaven. Do you know how short our life is compared to the foreverness of heaven? Let's say you eat all organic and you live to be 130. Miserably, 130. You know how little that is compared to the foreverness? In fact, one pastor wrote a book called Your Best Life Now. And I heard somebody say, if this is your best life now, then you are going to hell. You know, how many know this is not our best life now? How many know there'll be a place called heaven? Come on. And it's not a place where chubby babies are floating on, 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 uh, you know, clouds singing, singing songs. That's hell. You know what I mean? It's, it's a place where we're forever with the Lord. But this world does not always work. And the Bible tells us this. In fact, the Bible says this whole creation that we live in has been groaning like a woman in the pains of childbirth. Come on. It's been what? Come on. Groaning. Come on. Say groaning. Come on. No, say it like a groaning. He gives the description. Creations like a woman who's in her third trimester getting ready to pop now katie we had four kids and two two of the deliveries katie used epidurals and two of them she i don't know i don't think you get a bigger award for it but two of them she went all natural and i'm just this is my observation that epidural was nice that's what i'm telling you like she was just chilled the other one she was hollering stuff and i was like you're a pastor's wife you know and uh can't say that to me no, she wasn't. She's at Mosley right now, so I can say whatever I want. Although we are live streaming there, so uh, how about that? Um, I'll never forget the, the one with no epidural. She actually turned to her doctor and she said, I can't do it. And so I turned to Dr. Miller and I said, she can't do it. She said, well, she has to do it. And I said, well, I don't know. She says she can't do it. I believe her. She does not look like she can do it. What are our other options? And she's like, well, we passed the other option time. So she's looked at her real mean. And it's like, put your chin on right here. And you are going to push. There's no other way out. I'm telling you, it was a mean doctor. I mean, like, I was like, I'm going to go update everyone in the lobby how we're doing. I'm telling you at the other side of moaning and, and hollering and calling on the name of Jesus, speaking in tongues. I mean, she's doing the whole deal. Came a little baby, you know, a little cone shaped head baby. When the Bible describes our world, it describes it like the pain of child. It's in travail. How many feel like that? Wars, inflation, obstacles, crazy uh, uh, hurricanes, I mean, natural disasters. The Bible says, but here's the thing to remember in all of that, that the present struggles that we're going through are not worth being compared to the glory that awaits us. I'm here to remind you and I, we have heaven forever. Now, the old church, back in the day, the old church, they sang lots of songs about heaven, and we don't sing as many today, but I'm just reminding us, heaven is going to be an amazing place. You say, how do you know that Jesus told his disciples, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You just need to know where our church stands on this. We don't believe that when you die, you go to some holding tank or some waiting room or that you get, and you're 
family's got to bump you up or down. No, no, no. We believe that the Bible teaches that those who love, trust, and treasure Jesus to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You close your eyes on this life, open them in eternity forever with the Lord. We just believe that. It's like when I'll be at my grandma's house, my parents having a long dinner as a little kid. I'd go in the living room and I'd play with my toys. I'd fall asleep. All I know is I fell asleep playing with my toys in my grandma's living room. And I woke up in my own bed the next morning. I don't know how it happened. (laughs) But I'm telling you, one day we will have the hope of heaven. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying we have to preach on it all the time like they used to. But I think we've become a little too comfortable thinking this world is our home. I'm reminding you, this world is just this little bit. And then there's forever and ever and ever in the presence of Almighty God. Anybody just thankful that we have a hope of heaven? Come on. Come on, that we have the hope of heaven. Oh, come on, that we have the hope of heaven. Not just this life, but the one to come. And and Jesus says he's going to take us to be with him. And so that's the first takeaway. This world doesn't work, but the next one will. And the second takeaway is we need to be reminded that there's someone greater than the storm in our boat. In the middle of the storm, we've got to be reminded there's someone greater than the storm in our boat. The disciples were realizing, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. No, no, no. They needed to be reminded that Jesus had left the crowd behind and they took him along and there the son of God was with them. Hey, look this way. In your suffering, God is with you. In your suffering, God is with you. Isaiah 43, when you walk through the waters, you will not be drowned. When you walk through the fire, it will not burn you. When you walk through the challenges, he is with you the Lord is with you I knew I was going to ask Katie to marry me but I decided I wanted to do it in a way that surprised her and so she was living with her family in Charlotte North Carolina for a year I was in Bible college and I um, got on a plane in Syracuse New York and flew to Charlotte North Carolina to surprise her at the front door and ask her to marry me. I'd asked her dad for permission. How many know that's a good thing? I can change the sermon if you don't know that. You know, it's a, it's a good thing. Her dad had picked me up at the airport. He drove into the driveway and then he went in through the back door. And I, so I'm giving myself a minute. I can't wait to see her response. I can't wait. I mean, like I am a catch, you know. And uh, so I walk to the front door and I knock on the door. Of course, her dad is in on it. So he lets Hey, can you get the door, Katie? Katie comes and gets the door and opens that door. Matthews, North Carolina. And uh, I'm standing right there. I get down on one knee, Katie. I love you with all my heart. Will you marry me? I got the ring down on one knee. Worked all summer for this. I will never forget her words. What are you doing here? I said, I thought I was clear a second ago. Very clear. She starts hugging me. I stand up. She still hasn't said yes, though. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're here. Her dad, who should have been giving us privacy, he's about 10 feet over her shoulder. Just, I'm like, thank you, Ron, for being here. And uh, He actually says to me, we're going to celebrate. I'm taking you to dinner. We're going to celebrate. This is the one thing I still struggle with. What do you, where do you take your son-in-law when he just proposes to your daughter? 
345 on an afternoon in Charlotte. Come on, somebody. We celebrated at Shoney's. Come on, somebody. Where he got a senior discount. I was like, this isn't even right. You owe me something more than this. Give me all the bills and Shoney's. And uh, last time I went there, actually. But uh, we're, we're standing. We're planning dinner. And I still have not heard her. I said, I'm assuming... <laughs> Curious. I mean, I know it's a formality and we're all celebrating, but you haven't technically said yes. So that if we could do that. And she's like, oh, of course. And I'm like, of course, but you should still say it. It's polite. And uh, we had our first argument. Come on, somebody. Last one, too. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Here's what happens in a moment when you're disoriented, you don't even know what's going on. She didn't even know how to say yes because she was so surprised, you know. And I think that's even the disciples in this moment, they're confused, they're, they're overwhelmed. When, when circumstances hit us that are different, we get confused and uncertain. In fact, that's why Jesus stands up and he calms the wind and waves. And they're amazed. And the Bible says now they're exceedingly terrified. Catch this. They're afraid of the storm, but they're extra afraid of the one who fears the storm. Just look at me for here. You want to know how to live over storms? Fear the Lord more than you fear storms. Proverbs 1, 7. And this is the beginning of wisdom to fear the Lord. When you fear God more than you fear storms and you realize everything that enters into our life has been father filtered. And we can trust in the goodness of our God. And so we just, I, I just, I don't know, I want to speak to us today. Because I think storms have a way of disorienting us. And I want to just speak faith over us. In fact, I wrote down just a handful of, I keep these like little faith verses in my, in my uh, office. And I just wrote down a few of them to encourage you today. Would you just close your eyes at every location, at every place? Let me just read a few verses over you. Because in the middle of the storm, sometimes you just need somebody to speak faith to you. In the middle of your storm today, I speak Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and to him are all things. Somebody say amen to that, right? Uh, in the middle of the storm, I speak this, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so, the so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Galatians six eighteen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 1 Timothy 1.17, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Romans 1, 5 and 6, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever and ever. I just, I speak to your spirit. I speak to your storm so that it doesn't speak to you. I speak the power of God, the strength of God, the life of God. Receive that today. The God we serve is bigger than the challenges we face. Can anybody say amen today? Come on, the God we serve is bigger than the challenges we face. And Jesus had to stand up and speak to that storm so they could know there's more power riding with us in this boat than there is in all this wind. In all these crazy waves, there's more power riding in this boat. I'm going to close us in prayer, and then I'm going to turn it over to our campuses. Would you bow with me all over this room and in the lobby? I think it's possible that you're here today and you're not even sure that you have a relationship with God or maybe you've walked away from it. 
I don't know how you walk through a hard time without a relationship with Jesus. And so nobody's judging you today, but we love to offer the opportunity for people to commit their lives to Jesus or those that have walked away from him to come back home. I won't embarrass you, I promise, but I would love to pray for you. Just know who you are at any of our locations. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not certain I have a real relationship with God. Today, I need to give my heart to him. If that's you today, anyone in this room, just raise your hand up quick and put it right back down. Yes, yes. Are there others? Yes, yes. Are there others? Pastor, I'm not certain of where I'm at in my relationship with God. Pray for me today. Anybody else in this room, in the lobby, in Richmond, Mosley? One last time, not to be dramatic, just to give an opportunity. Maybe God's burdening your heart and you say, I need to give my life to him. Anybody, pastor, pray for me today. I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. I need to not. Yep, thank you. Proud of you. Are there others? Yep, thank you. Proud of you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Right where you're seated, it's not a magic prayer, but if you mean it in your heart, God can hear you. It goes something like this. God, I know I've sinned. I know I've come up short of your standard. So today, I give you my heart, I give you my life. I surrender, I turn away from my sin. I believe you love me so much, you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross and to rise from the dead. And today, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Save me, change me, take away my sin and shame, give me a new start. And by your grace, I'll follow you all the days of my life. My life is yours from this day forward for I pray it in Jesus name and everybody said amen on the way in you got a connect card you can say I committed my life recommitted drop it off at next step or email us but chapel all kinds of people took steps of faith can we tell them we're proud of them today come on proud of them today come on proud of them today